Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. Now there are often things in my life, and I'm sure in yours, that I don't like because they stink and I don't want them in my life. And yet because I face these things and I have a relationship with God, even though I don't like the situation, I can love the God who allowed it. And I can rejoice in God, counting it all joy that my God is going to use, yes, even this in my life for his purposes. I can rejoice in the Lord because I know him and he knows me. I love him and he loves me. He's promised to never leave me or forsake me. He's promised to take care of me and to take care of my every need. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Maybe it seems strange to you that a believer can actually find joy in the midst of difficulties. How is that possible? Today on Abounding Grace, we'll learn that as we see them as God does, our attitude and perspective can radically change. Pastor Ed Taylor is in the midst of a series called Help for the Troubled Heart. And as we open our Bibles to James chapter 1, we'll discover wonderful truths to hold on to in trials. Take your Bibles, open them to the book of James, chapter 1. James, chapter 1. In a Bible study that I've entitled, Count It All Joy, taking it right from the text. You know, there are a lot of differences in this room today. There are a lot of differences and diversities that, of, that, that are in this room, just among us. Those that are on the radio, those that are online. A lot of differences, a lot of upbringings. There is differences in our nationality, in our economic background, the where we were raised, where we grew up, where we live, how we live. But of all the differences and diversities among us, we all share in one thing. Everyone meets, both believer and unbeliever alike, meet at one place, and that is trials. We all face trials in life. There are trials and there are testings, there are persecutions, there's pain, there's sorrow, there's sadness, and none of us will escape the tough stuff in life. None of us will escape the difficulties. But James tells us in our text today that we can have victory in the trials, that we can learn to see trials the way God sees them and endure them, growing into maturity. Notice with me in verse 2 of chapter 1, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, of course, you may have read this section before or you're hearing it for the first time today and your response is, sure. You know, sure, I'll be happy. Yes, I'll have joy in trials. Yahoo, another trial. Let's throw a party. Let's jump right in. Bring more, God. If they're that good for me, then bring as many as you want. Count it all joy? 
in the midst of trials? You might come to this text and conclude, you mean I have to love trials? No, that's not what James is teaching at all. He's not teaching us to be happy for the trials, to invite more into our lives, but rather he's teaching us what to do in the midst of trials. Since we're all going to face them, how do we face them? How do we live with them and through them? As one commentator said, and I quote, the epistle of James was written to people who suffer. It was written to demonstrate that Christianity, as James knew it, was a metal that can withstand the fires of adversity. It's a rock that withstands the erosion of storm and tempest and wear. Christianity is no greenhouse faith. It is not an opiate for the beaten and fearful. It is a cure. It is not faith that only holds firm when there are no pressures. Rather, it is a faith that holds us steady in spite of the trials that come like tempests against us. James says that you and I are able to go through trials as God uses them in our lives, and we can count it all joy, that there is joy to be found in the midst of difficulties. Now, there are often things in my life, and I'm sure in yours, that I don't like because they stink, and I don't want them in my life. And yet, because I face these things, and I have a relationship with God, even though I don't like the situation, I can love the God who allowed it. And I can rejoice in God, counting it all joy, that my God is going to use, yes, even this in my life for his purposes. I can rejoice in the Lord because I know him, and he knows me. I love him, and he loves me. He's promised to never leave me or forsake me. He's promised to take care of me and to take care of my every need. And although I might despise the trial, I love the God of the trial. I love the God that allowed it, and I can rejoice in Him. Now, there is a profound difference between Christian joy and human happiness. And that's important to grasp because we often confuse the two. Human happiness, well, you can remember it this way. Happiness has everything to do with the happenings in your life. Happiness has everything to do with the happenings in your life. This is what it looks like. If all is going well, if there's money in the bank, the job's going well, the marriage seems to be going well, everything's in order, all things are looking up, then what does that lead to? Happiness. Of course we're going to be happy when things are going well. But then when things begin to tank, when you lose the job, or an unexpected bill comes, or you find out people are talking behind your back, or whatever it might be, when the happenings go down, our happiness seems to fade away. I mean, it makes sense. I'm happy. Things are going well. I'm happy. Things are not going well. I'm not happy. Christian joy is very different. Christian joy does not depend upon circumstances. Christian joy is an inward, peaceful contentment and an ability to take joy in the Lord no matter what comes our way. So what that means is you can be both unhappy and joyful at the same time. 
Of course, happiness and joy seem to, be, seem to go together, but you can also be unhappy and still be joyful in the Lord. And there, we know those, there are those people in our lives that you know the circumstances are going through. You know how hard it is. You kind of measure it up and think, man, if I was going through what they were going through, I don't think I, those type, you, you, you know those people in your life and you're like, man, what is it about them? And you might say, you know, why are they so happy? But in reality, what you're seeing is joy a joy that comes from God. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that God himself produces in us through relationship. Remember we learned that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law, the Bible says. Christian joy is that inner satisfaction that no matter in God, that inner satisfaction in God, that no matter what is happening, I will trust God who loves me, cares for me, and is always looking out for my good and his glory. In the midst of tough times, we can know that God is using it to work out his purposes and to accomplish his will. Why is this important to remember? Why is this important to always have at the forefront of our mind? Because very simply, there are those times in life when things are hard. And let me just add, there are times in life when things are very, very hard. Very hard. Times when I'm not happy. And even times when I'm definitely not joyful. Difficult times. Times when my family can't help me. And when friends won't help me. Times when freedoms are taken away when all focus is lost, times that are so hard and so difficult that I cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. Let me just tell you today, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Even though you can't see it, God has shed the light of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus, he faced death. He faced burial. He rose again from the dead. He has overcome sin and death. He is the light at the end of the tunnel. Even if you can't see it right now, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Your trial will come to an end one day. One day. It's just like the sun. Does the sun still shine when it's covered, when there's cloud cover? Yes or no? Yes. yes, the sun is shining, even if you can't see it. When the clouds roll away, boom, there it is. And God is far more faithful than the sun. You know what's happened? What's happened for us is we live in a culture that does not believe they should suffer. We live in a self-centered, narcissistic culture that views suffering as something for someone else and not themselves. So that when suffering does come, it's a shock to their system. When suffering does come, even to believers, unfortunately, this has been lacking in the church of Jesus for so many years, a true theology of suffering, that suffering is real and suffering is normal. It is part of the normal Christian life. A modern author by the name of Tim Keller puts it well. Let me read to you, and I quote, Do not think that because you're a Christian, that means certain things couldn't possibly happen to you. 
That's just not the case. History tells you otherwise. The Bible tells you otherwise. Personal experience tells you otherwise. It's just not the case. Trials are inevitable. They're going to happen. I read a book recently, he writes, and it had a really interesting point in one of its chapters. It says there has never been a time or place where people were more squeamish and unhappy about suffering than now. In every other culture, in every other society, in every other time, people have not been the crybabies that our culture is today. They have, not, they have known in other cultures and times that life is unfair. They have known that life is brutal and short, and they took it. This is what a secular society means, he writes. The word secular comes from the Latin, which means now. This is what secular society teaches you. You have to get all of your happiness now. This is it. If anything goes wrong with your health here, if anything goes wrong with your love here, if anything goes wrong with your money here, you're out. It's over. There's no other. There's nothing else. There's no other world after this. It's only now. You're ruined. You're destroyed. There has never been a culture that sets its people up and made them so vulnerable to the ups and downs of life than our culture. Every other place, every other time, every other culture always said that there's this world, but then there's another world. That you can get love here, and that's nice, but there's real love up ahead. That you can get riches here, and that's nice, but there are real riches in eternity. I found that was such a great observation of our modern-day culture. And you and I, we live and breathe and work and shop and play in this culture. Yes, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ that gives us a different perspective, but think about it. Think about how much time you give to the culture. Think about how much of the thinking is shaped in your life by the culture. Think, think how much, you know, that's why the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world. Or in one translation it speaks of, don't let the world press you into its mold. And that's brought into this relationship with Jesus Christ where I would say as a pastor, never has it been a higher time in the church at large where so many of those that call upon the name of the Lord, so many of those that claim to be Christians, they look toward God for what he can do for them. What kind of life can you give me, God? What kind of money can you add to me, God? What can you do for my family? How can you do this? And instead of coming to God surrendered, denying ourselves, taking up the cross, we actually are in a culture both in the world and in the church where God just becomes some magical genie that will answer all prayers. And then, you, then we get mad at God when he doesn't. James says, this is the right perspective to have in trials the right perspective to have in the midst of trials. He says in verse two, my brethren, count it all joy. If you'd like to write in your Bible, circle the word when. He says, count it all joy when. And circle that word and write next to it, not if. Not if. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, not if. It is a certainty. Life will be hard. And James says, no matter what comes our way, we can experience joy in the Lord and the joy of the Lord, that you can have faith in a faithful creator. Now, I know 
there are many of us that think, man, wouldn't it be so much easier if God would just eliminate trials and tribulations altogether? Anybody got an amen on that? He won't. You know, you kind of think, well, man, if God just got rid of all the trials and tribulations, if God just took the devil and banished him right now, life would be so much easier. Not so. If God were to do that, it would not be good for you and me. Because the difficulties of life, the trials of life, are the primary tools of God to develop you into the mature man and woman that he wants you to be. Without the trials, there won't be growth. Without the trials, there won't be a sense of recognizing that this world is not all there is. I mean, it's true, isn't it? This world isn't all there is. I mean, you think of things just 10 years ago. Let's say 10 years ago, you finally were able, you were finally able to save enough money, put the down payment, pay in cash, however you did. You finally got the car that you wanted 10 years ago, two, a 2007 brand new car. How's that car working out for you these days? Oh, I don't know, Ed. I junked it a long time ago. The engine fell out and, and I scratched it. Somebody stole it, brought it back with three wheels. Yeah, it's not the two, 2007 brand new car. doesn't sound so exciting anymore, does it? Because there was a new one in 2008 and 2009 and 10 and 11. Before you know it, you're watching a commercial today and you're like, oh, I want that car. But it doesn't satisfy, does it? It wears out, gets scratched, broken down, new technology. The things of this world, they rust, they get ripped off, and there isn't one thing that we are so desiring in life. Unless you desire the word of God in the souls of men, there isn't one thing that you desire today you're taking to heaven with you. Nothing. Zero. None of it. It wears out so quickly. There is a world beyond today where God will make every wrong right. He will heal every sickness and disease. You will have a new body. You will shed this earthly body and you will have a new body that's fit for eternity and you'll be in the presence of Jesus Christ without sin and death for all of eternity. Our life here, as we've learned, is just a vapor so quickly. Guys, here's a truth to hang on to, to hold on to. In the midst of your trial today, if you want to make it, you're going to make it. I mean, if you really want to make it through, you're going to make it through in the strength of God. And if you don't want to make it, then you probably won't. Because when it comes to standing strong before the Lord, God has promised you that he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able. He's promised that to you. And he always provides a way out. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape so that you might be able to bear it. If you want to make it, you will. God has provided everything for you and me to make it and to bear the difficulty and not. You see, with trials come temptations. When you go through a trial, 
All sorts of temptations come. Temptations to be mad at God, temptations to go back to the bottle, temptations to go back to pills, to relate. All the things that you relied upon to give you satisfaction and help and peace and give you a sense of feeling and worth and value, when you're, when you're going through a trial, those become temptations. And we're, we learn in the scriptures that there's no temptations overtaking you, that you don't have the way out. You don't have to turn backwards. You can turn to the Lord. He's your strength. And he's your help. Now, the best example of this is our brother Job. Our brother Job, man, he experienced tremendous trial and temptation. He lost rapid fire the things that we value so much and that we love so much. He lost his possessions, he lost his children. He lost his reputation and his name as being a godly, holy man in the community. He lost his health. One of the descriptions of Job there is he had these oozing sores that were so, so much on his body that he was scraping them with pieces of pottery. Every part of his life was touched, emotionally, physically, mentally. And his wife as well. His wife went through the same trial. And there are two very different responses. For his wife, we have recorded in Job chapter 2 verse 9, his wife says to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. You know, for many years as a pastor, I made such a grave error by drawing out some humor from Job's wife, getting a cheap laugh. Until until I understood more fully that this was the response of a grieving woman who also lost her house and her name and her reputation and her children and even her husband. She's suffering. And that's where she is, which recorded. For Job, in Job chapter 1, verse 22, the Bible says, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. He was a little bit stronger even though the entirety of the book of Job, we see he struggled as well, especially as his friends came with all this advice and all this input, like everyone has an opinion, but only God's opinion matters. You see, what Job didn't know though, we get to read the whole book of Job and we know what was going on. Job had no idea what God was doing. He had no idea of this little exchange between the devil and him in heaven. Job had no idea that God purposely set limits and boundaries around his life. That what he was experiencing was within the will of God. He didn't understand that. He does now. He had no idea that God would restore and how God would use this trial. But he does now. The same is true for you. You have no idea how God is going to use this. But we know for a fact God is going to use it. We don't know how it's going to end up. We don't know where it's going to end or when it's going to end, but we do know this. God is in the midst, and like Job, he has set boundaries and limits around you to protect you. And even though we can't see into the spiritual realm, we don't quite know what's happening there, we know, like Job, that God is on our side and that we can trust him. And there is definitely value in your trials. Your trials are not worthless. They're valuable and they're precious. 
We're partway through a message called Count It All Joy here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. It's part of a series called Help for the Troubled Heart. Request a CD copy of the message or the entire series when you give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. As we're learning through our present series, God has the help we need when our heart is troubled and we're discouraged. And at helpforthetroubledheart.com, you'll find resources that will encourage your faith and lift your spirit. Again, drop by helpforthetroubledheart.com today. We'd also like to pray for you and whatever situation you find yourself in today. We'd be honored to go to the Lord on your behalf. So email your prayer requests to prayer at calvaryaurora.org. And we have a couple of apps we'd like to recommend that are free and available on all platforms. Search for Calvary Aurora and the Grace FM Colorado apps. You'll be able to access Pastor Ed's teachings there. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word to stations like this every day, but we can't do it alone. We're very thankful for the listeners that come alongside us. And if you'd like to help us reach people with the love and truth of Christ, please visit calvaryaurora.org or call 877-30-GRACE. Don't miss our next study when we'll bring you more help for the troubled heart. That's right here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor is presented by Calvary Chapel Aurora. 